The Town Whispers is a narrative horror podcast that will tell the many stories hidden behind the rain and the fog and the trees of the Pacific Northwest. But it's because of what sits in the dirt underneath uneven floorboards that I must warn you. Listener discretion is advised. Righteous Reverend Albert tucked his hands into his pockets as he trudged his way back towards the fort proper. He was tired, could feel it in the weight of his head that hung low, begging his back and shoulders to hold it up. The brief moments of sun which he'd witnessed that morning were long gone and forgotten. The air was filled with mist like rain that levitated in spot drenching the reverend as he walked through the foggy cloud. Why? Why Tom LaPont, thought Albert. Why him? Why now? What purpose did it serve to torment him? What point was there to be made by preserving his brother in such a grotesque and macabre scene? What would all those questions and the events that brought them about what would they boil to? And what, Albert thought, would inevitably come next? The questions drove pins through his mind, itching and bleeding with morbid and ghastly curiosity. But those questions would have to wait until after breakfast, or rather after lunch by the time he'd arrived back at the church. rough night. The reverend gasped, startled at the loud intrusive voice. The young boy sat up from the pew that he'd been snoring loudly from before the sounds of the door had woken him, like the smug little urchin that he was. <clears throat> Albert was in no mood to entertain James's useless chit-chat at the moment. He had no time to answer the string of questions that inevitably always followed. James was an orphan who'd been left on the front steps of the church in the first days of Albert's new role in the esteemed position as reverend of the fort and sole commander of his most holy ship, guiding souls of those in the fort through the night of sin and sorrow. The night had been crystal clear. The pitch black of the void which precariously hung above the earth was deeper and more absolute. A glimmering onyx dobe that encapsulated the world. 
Albert, taking his newfound responsibilities in a rough way, stumbled home drunk, giggling at his own hiccups and falling flat onto his face. More times than he'd care to admit. Albert, at first, as the boy cried and crawled underfoot, had resented his role as a father. He resented those moments when James would crawl about free and fall asleep underneath one of the pews or behind the pulpit, sending him into a fit of panic. And he resented changing the diapers even more. But when James had learned to stumble about on two legs and walk, and when he began to say simple words and then short sentences, before Albert knew it, he had a little brother again. Of course it wasn't Bart, but it felt like James could be Bart, or what Bart would have been, and they certainly shared a similar quality of endearment through persistence. James sat there staring expectant and annoyed at Albin's reluctance to answer him. His red hair was tousled, carefree and wild, but pulled and pushed in all the right spots so as not to look ridiculous. His eyes were a flat, muted green. And that smile. God, Albert hated that smile. It was so smug and glib and... Ah, uh, who was he kidding? He loved James in his own gruff way and... He felt proud each time he caught sight of girls giggling and blushing shyly, waving at James as they passed. What did I tell you, Albie? I told you. Take my lucky coin. You should have taken it. Your night would have gone a lot better. <clears throat> Let me guess, Lady Troubles. The Lord not answering your prayers on time. What happened, Albie? You look terrible. <clears throat> Come on, Albie, what happened? I'm dying to know. Albert ignored James's little quips and continued back to his personal quarters. Ah, the humble life of a reverend. For all the perks and all the power, a holy man like himself had to at least try to maintain the appearance of being humble and unpretentious. The room was beige, or perhaps it had been white at one point, but the walls were now stained a yellowish beige and on one side of the room sat a simple wooden table, which over its long life had been polished in spots where greasy hands rested or where the elbows of worried men had rubbed and shined the wood beneath, leaving little rounded indents. Against the other wall was a single bed, with coarse sheets thrown on top in a messy heap. In the corner lay a pile of emptied liquor bottles and a few penny clay pipes shattered in a dusty heap. Underneath the window was a bookshelf, which Reverend Albert had repurposed to hold a pile of Bibles, which had remained untouched for some time, admittedly. Beside the Bibles was a half-eaten, hard, stale loaf of bread, which Albert had taken to nibbling on after getting into those bottles which laid in the corner of the room empty. And then, of course, above the head of the Reverend's bed was a wooden cross nailed to the wall. Albert slumped into the seat of the table against the wall and rested his elbows in those well-worn spots and buried his face in his hands, letting out a heavy sigh and rubbing his weary, bloodshot eyes. Mother Cyprian. How the hell was he supposed to broach that conversation with her? 
The idea of leveling any criticism against her made him uneasy. As he'd taken on his responsibilities to the fort, he'd been able to visit Riverside Sanatorium less and less. She was the most comforting person in his life, a woman that, if she had allowed him, he would have lovingly and simply called mother. But how had she known that Tom LaPont was in trouble? How had she burst through into his room with the knowledge that he must go and go at that very minute to help the boy and where exactly he needed to be? Exactly where the mouth of the cave quite well hidden deep in the thick woods. Woods which were nowhere near the sanatorium. Woods which he thought would be far too arduous for a woman of her age to hike through. The entirety of the situation sat uneasy with him as he picked up an acorn, which sat on the table for one reason or another, and playfully, idly, and childishly tried spinning like a top, as if the answers to his many questions would be found in the uneasy balance of an acorn spinning balanced on that point. Tom could have been his son, if he'd had his way, but things with Mildred had never, well, worked out the way he'd hoped. Still, Albert sat there, feeling protective over the young boy. Still, Albert sat there wondering if Tom had even heard his words and comprehended them. Come to the church, Tom. If you come, I can protect you, or teach you to protect yourself. The reverend was close to clasping his hands together to pray on the matter, but he knew better. James had laid back down on his pew, resting his head on a pile of rags, his left arm tucked into a ratty old blanket which he'd half drawn across his body with his right arm and right leg sticking out. His big toe wriggled through the hole in his sock, and in his right hand, Raised above his eyes, he twirled the coin. James went nowhere without it. It had been left with him on the front steps of the church, pressed and tucked into the swaddle cloth that bound him as a baby, and then had remained as an accidental keepsake that Albert had taken and curiously twisted about in his fingers, as if it would provide some sort of identification for the tyke who had abruptly and forcibly come into his care. Then Albert took the coin and placed it on his bookshelf, which James, at the age of three or maybe four, had found and taken a shining to. He'd had the coin his entire life. It had always been there. James and Albert both marveled at the fact he hadn't lost the one keepsake he had of his life that could have been. And perhaps that's the only reason he deemed it his lucky coin. He'd managed to keep it for so long, which... In and of itself, he considered disproportionately lucky in comparison to how unorganized and prone to misplacing things he was. The coin rested on his index, and then, as if his knuckles were a rolling staircase, it twirled end over end, dancing across his knuckles before sending it back the way it came. An ornate L had been pressed into the side once upon a time. But either whoever had done it had not done a very good job, or it had been worn down by the neurotic rubbings of thumbs before his. 
Maybe his dad, or grandfather, or someone else had thought it was lucky once upon a time as well. The older he got and the longer James contemplated his own origins, as well as the origins of the coin, the more his conspiratorial thoughts took form. It had to be lucky, or surely it held some secret. What a curious thing to leave with a baby, it was rough and pitted with tiny spots of rust, it wasn't worth anything. As far as James could tell, it was rough iron, which had blackened from age. What other use would it have if not be the key to his mysterious past or some long-forgotten fortune? It was an ugly and dirty piece of metal. But no one ever said luck had to be beautiful, James thought affectionately as he watched it play across his knuckles some more. Okay, goodbye to you too then. The Reverend, or Albie as James rubbingly called him, stormed out into the cold winter air and drizzling rain. The weight of the coming conversation rusting on his shoulders as they hunched up and inward huddling against the wind. One long walk after another, great, that's exactly how he'd wanted to spend his afternoon, but the thought of sitting and pondering the truths to his questions ate at him, infuriating him, saddening him. The well-worn path was muddy, much like the rest of the fort, and normally that didn't bother the reverend, having grown up in the mud. Having washed shoes in the mud, he'd learnt to deal with it to shift his weight to minimize the sliding, but with so much waiting for him at the end of his journey, each step felt as if he was sliding backwards, as if the road had suddenly decided to be steeply slanted, gravity pulling the reverend back, the struggling of fighting against those small things which now when so much felt wrong with the world when he felt so conflicted inside filled him with the fire and brimstone which he'd spoken about during his sermon so many times before. By the time he'd arrived at the front gate, he was in no mood for niceties. He could feel that... that thing inside of him, craving satisfaction, craving Albert to do all the terrible things it wanted, that it needed, that Albert's self-control and nature denied it. Cyprian! 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 The reverend stalked through the halls of the sanatorium, furious and with cause, his ego swelling in spite of himself, fueled by anger and confusion. He was the mighty fist of rage itself, and he had come to seek satisfaction. Albert rounded the corner and saw the door to Mother Cyprian's office open as Mother Cyprian stood, not surprised but apprehensive, defensive and seemingly prepared to weather the coming storm. How? How did you know? I will not have you speak to me in such an insolent tone. Then tell me, Agatha, 
How did you know the LaPont boy was in danger? Did you know what had become of Meldred's eldest child? Tell me! I will not suffer this indignation, nor will I take into consideration your request until you show me the respect I am due. I will ask you once more, Albert. Lower your voice. Then out with it! How did you come by the knowledge? What did you know of Ben? Tell me what angle you're playing at! Sit down. Shut your mouth. Behave like the good little boy that you are before I am forced to discipline you. Don't think for one second that since you have grown big, strong, and bold, that this should afford you the right to be so bold with me. Me who molded you. Me who taught you. Me who gave you direction, purpose, and power. Albert stood there, stunned mortified at the denial of the woman he considered to be a mother, not only in title, but also in the manner in which she'd cared for Albert after he'd arrived at Riverside Sanatorium. She didn't deny having any hand in what had become of Ben LaPont, nor did she deny having anything to do with what the Reverend suspected was an attempt to do away with Tom in much the same manner. It was the denial of her character and who he'd known her to be. The way she stood there, chin up, proud, defiant. It was Mother Cyprian's nature to be those things but her tone, her callousness, the dark and desperate glint in her eyes. she glowered at Albert, as if he were a boy who snuck into her yard to steal apples. That, in Reverend Albert's eyes, painted her in strange and disturbing alien colors. fellow townies. So, how are you feeling? Have your questions been answered, at least in part? Have you been sleeping easy, or have the images of things unimaginable but to the unconscious mind been striving to rob you of your rest? I'd like to take a second and just welcome all of our new residents to the fort. We've had an influx of new neighbors, and I wanted to say thank you for joining us, and welcome. And I'd also like to announce the new Patreon-exclusive three-part story that will be going live on our Patreon this month, starting in the second week of February. It's a story that will take us back to the beginning of the fort, the beginning of the LaPonts, a tale of luck and curses. And I'm so excited to share this old and long since forgotten bit of lore with you all. Don't worry though, this story is not integral to the main story that happens here on this feed. It doesn't help you understand the plight of the LaPont family the confusing nature of Mother Cyprian and the tragic truth of Reverend Albert. It's just an extra added bonus for those looking to learn more about the fort and how it came to be, and those things that lurk within its boundaries and prey on its townsfolk. To access a teaser of this today, go to www.patreon.com slash thetownwhispers. You don't need to sign up to access the teaser. It'll be available for everyone. 
as these Patreon-exclusive episodes go up. The following week, we will be releasing the transcripts of those episodes for those of you who want to support us, and do so by listening and sharing, but either don't want to, or can't afford to support us monetarily. We will still want you to have the knowledge, so those transcripts will be available for everyone, and absolutely free. For those interested in becoming Patreons, though, those episodes will be completely narrated, and as wonderfully atmospheric as always. For those of you who may or may not be joining us, once again I say thank you. And once again, you can access all of this and more by visiting www.patreon.com slash thetownwhispers. Today's episode was written and performed by Cole Weavers. Sound production and editing by Matt Black. Our theme song is by the ever-wonderful Charlie P.S. The fort is built on secrets and shadows, on unspoken truths and the designs of the long shadows, whoever they may be, but it's also built on the support of its townsfolk. Would you like to support our tiny little monstrosity of a town by mending the roof of the church, or keeping the doors of the sanatorium for the lost and unwanted open? Or perhaps you'd rather help build a mausoleum for the ones who will never die. In thanks for your support, and for only a few dollars a month, you'll receive episodes of The Town Whispers released early and forever ad-free, as well as exclusive short stories and one-shots to expand your knowledge of what lays dormant and watching under the earth. Would you like to see, with your own frail eyes that can only see what can be imagined by the goodness of a heart drenched in humanity by receiving digital rewards of the visual variety? All this and more will be revealed on our Patreon. Please consider joining us at www.patreon.com slash thetownwhispers. If you would like to support us in other ways, please consider following us on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter at The Town Whispers, or by leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information on the show, please head on over to www.thetownwhispers.com. I got the ghost of you inside of my head What I'm supposed to do, the blood has been shed He got a dark past in a soul that's unfed What I'm supposed to do is already dead He's already dead i